Hi there, I'm Jennifer Stewart. And I'm Katherine Clark, and we're so glad that you're joining us today for The Honest Talk. We're excited to be bringing you conversations with some of North America's most inspiring women, and we are thrilled to be partnering with RBC as we do so. This podcast is about leaving behind the talking points and diving into the real, authentic, and unique personal stories of our guests. Stories which we hope might influence or inspire your own journeys. So let's get right to it. Mandy Ranahan runs a multi-million dollar retail renovation company called Freshco, not the grocery store, which she started when she was pretty much still a teenager. Part of Mandy's success is that she tells it like it is. In fact, she's known as the Blue Collar CEO, and she is now about to launch a new HGTV show called Trading Up with Mandy, which takes her back to her hometown of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. We are really thrilled to have Mandy with us today for a respectfully uncensored chat. (laughs) Mandy, welcome to the Honest Talk. Hey, you know what? You came to the right place for honesty. (laughs) I think we all need a bit of honesty right now. Yeah, I think we do need a little honesty right now. And, and Mandy, you have certainly proven that that is a top goal in your books. It is. You know, I I often, one of my, one of the lines that come out of my mouth before me even opening my eyes is, I wake up like this. I don't know any other way to be, <laughs> you know, and, and it's paid me well, you know, over the years being, yeah, I, I guess the word, you, you know, you too is, is authentic. And growing up on the East Coast, it was just get outside and get the stink blown off you and be you, you know, and and that (laughs) and that really was what resonated with me, you know, growing up over there was just, you know, everybody was authentic because that was just how we were raised. And 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 for that, I'm I'm just so incredibly grateful. And if anybody ever had told me it would have yielded me millions, I would have told you you were crazy. That's so funny, but it's so true. I was just in St. John's visiting my sister and there is an air of authenticity about people from the East coast. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's refreshing, you know, kind of like the, it is, it's absolutely, it's it's refreshing because, you know, I, I guess we can say, and and maybe you two agree that, you know, that part of of Canada has never been touched. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's never been a place that you know, anybody has looked and said, now, listen, you need to fit inside this box and you need to make sure that everything is within the cover and you need to be this way or that way. It's, it's just something that just wouldn't resonate with the group over there. And, uh, and I'm just trying to change everybody's mind. And it seems to be working that you just need to buy a property over on the East coast to enjoy (laughs) the people, the food and everything else. It's cheaper. What you get the big bang for your buck. I mean, listen, is there anything in a in a retirement package that says the biggest bang for your buck for real estate, the best view in the world, and the people are off the charts? You don't see that in portfolios. You just don't see it. So travel Nova Scotia. You have a new <laughs> spokesperson. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> they know that. They know that. So Mandy, let's just jump right into it. Your company is going gangbusters, but you did yeah. start out from pretty humble beginnings. When you look back at, on your childhood, and I understand you you had a little fishing business and you were pretty entrepreneurial, what kind of drove that spirit in you? You know, I, I've been asked this for a long time, and, and, and I can tell you, with, with as this podcast highlights, with great honesty, I didn't pick it, it picked me. I was this from a very young age. You know, I, I always, and I think too, 
and this this will probably resonate with you both and, and many of the people listening is that you know we I grew up in a in a seasonal fishing town that relied on listen if you didn't catch a bunch of lobsters you didn't eat and 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 it mm. was just one of those things that I watched my parents really sad most days and and just wondering you know when was that you know that you know mom's car going to come up the driveway with those plastic bags you know from the grocery store you know really you know peering through the window because we didn't know, you know, there I well, there was me and three brothers. You know, you might as well say there were four boys. You know, when you look at how I grew up, it was it was me and and a whole street full of of guys, and we were hungry, you know, because all we did yeah. was play outside. That's a thing, and and I think that you know, watching my parents, even like like I said, I I hadn't even broke the the, the double digits yet, fight constantly about money, mm. and I saw the sadness that it that it that it brought. I knew that money was going to be the solution. You know, I didn't know why I was doing it. I just, I just knew that money seemed to be this, this thing that I could, you know, monetize and and bring happiness. And, and so, you know, at 10 years old, I was sneaking outside and headed down to the river and, you know, I was dipping these little fish called kayaks, you know, and, and putting them in feed bags that I'd gotten from the local farmer down the street. And because I was so, you know, gifted in sports. That was my way of learning how to, I, I would say, motivate and leverage, you know, with the guys on the street to say, hey, if you help me dip kayaks that we can put on the back of the, my dad's truck so he can sell them in the morning, you know, I'll basically, you can pick me for whatever we're going to play after school. And it worked, you know. And so when you started seeing, you know, us out in the middle of the night at 10 years old, dipping these fish and my dad coming home and saying, oh, dear, you tell those guys on the street they're doing a good job. And I said, I certainly will with a big <laughs> wink, you know, and I mean, he would have never dreamt it was me until he caught me one night. And, wow. you know, it was it was that moment of, you know, my father was, you know, a wonderful man. He still is. And he's really chilled out over his life. And I think that was for me taking the worry out of his life. But back then, you know, you could have called him a rageaholic. and. When he caught me that night, I was like, what do I do? Do you know, do I, do I claim the fifth or do I just, you know, come out with it? And, and so I explained to him that, you know, this was the big night, you know, all of these kayaks were coming up from the ocean and, and he just stared at me, you know, he didn't get mad. He Mm -hmm. just stared at me. And so he got my brothers. We all went down to where we were dipping these kayaks and we filled more bags of fish than I'd ever seen in the month that I was doing huh. it. Wow. And, he, and I remember he still stares at me the same way today. The only difference is I buy him a new truck every three years, you know, so <laughs> it's just, there's just a little bit of a, you know, a difference, but you know, he looked at me and he said, who are you? You're a girl, you're 10, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and even back then it never resonated with me that being female should, should matter when it comes to love. And it never dawned on me that he would get mad at me for trying to make his life and mom's life better. And the thing was, is that I took that risk even back then and it worked. And from that moment on watching what that money did to our family only ignited the wiring that I, you know, preemptively had to be even more. And for whatever reason, I was completely taken away by structure. I don't know why. 
I mean, still to this day, none of the males in my family or my mother could pound a nail. So I have no idea where it came from. It was just, it was in me. And so with the money that I would get from, from, you know, even back then, you know, I was buying tools and assembling the same guys on the street to build log cabins in the woods and trying to figure out why my roof was caving in. And I didn't understand trusses and, you know, or, or how I build them. So it really was something that, you know, I started from a young age, just to give you a little bit of a, you know, the very thin version of a fat story, everybody. (laughs) So we, we want to get to the, to the being a woman in a male dominated industry. We want to get to, to a lot of things, but, you know, I, I saw a clip of you talking about not babying your kids. Um, And I'd I'd really love to follow up on that because, you know, a lot of the the women listening to this are parents and um, there's a real change in how we were raised in some cases and how many are now raising their kids. What did you mean by don't baby your kids? I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's really one of those things that for me, When I look at, I mean, even when we look at animals, everybody, you know, basically, you know what, you come out, you know, the, the dog or the, the, the the wild animal, you know, allows you to be around for a little while. And then they send you out to figure out how to hunt, you know, figure out how to protect yourself, you know, how, how to get in from the cold. And when I look at how I grew up, I was loved. There was no question about it, but I was never, I was never babied. And when I say babied, I want to be very respectfully uncensored with what I mean by that. I mean, nobody gave me anything. I had to work for it. And I, I really, truly, you know, back in that time, there was never a time I felt sorry for myself because I didn't know any different. And I think that that's what's happening today is that, and I, and I say this a lot about the blue and the white collar worlds is that we were all told if you wanted to be respected in the world, you needed or make good money. You needed to be, you know, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, somebody respectful. And it's the same thing when I'm watching, you know, the young people walk into my office today versus the people that I employed 25 years ago was that they're coming in with a, with a self of, hey, my mom told me that I'm great and so should you. <laughs> and guess what? This is what I think I'm worth, you know, mm. and I'm like sitting there going, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so I think that, you know, we're, there's a difference between encouraging your child and really setting your child up to really not understand what the real world is. And, and I think that when you look at people today, they say, Mandy, you know, good love of God you know, the, your personality and you're this and you're that. And it's like, listen, I just left home with what I had. I didn't have anything Mm -hmm. else. I had a dirty hockey bag full of everything I had in it, a personality, (laughs) a little bit of ambition. And, and, and for God's sakes, on top of it, 27 years ago, I figured out I was gay. What a resume. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, it, it was one of those things that the world would have said that I was on the road to a gutter. The world would have told you that I had nothing to offer anybody or anything. The world would have told you that I was one of those, you know, stories that would never go anywhere. And here we are. Do you love proving people wrong? Yes, of course I do. But I would say that I do 
in a, in a very humble, respectful manner, because I don't, I will, I've never been a know-it-all and I never will be one because I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times that people take my very jovial, big personality and they only see that. Well, people that really know me see that I'm actually quieter more than I talk because I crave difference. I crave people's opinions and I absolutely will welcome their judgments so that I can explain to them why they Mm. shouldn't be talking right now. And you have the work ethic to back up all of your success. I mean, you started Fresh Coat 19. Uh, you were a young woman in, in a very male-dominated field. Oh. How did you get people to take you seriously? I, they liked me. You know, I, now listen, yeah. gals, I'm going to tell you a really thin version. I <laughs> picture it, me standing in front of 1,600 people that are some of the brightest professionals in the world, apparently. And I walked up on the stage and I looked at them And the whole place went quiet and they knew something was coming and it wasn't the t-shirt gun. They knew something was coming. (laughs) And I looked at all of them and I said, listen, I've been sitting here for two hours and I've heard and seen how incredibly bright you all are. But here's my question to you. Are you likable? Well, you would swear that the world had just farted. It was Hmm. the craziest thing that happened in that moment. They all stared at me and then they started staring at their friend and staring at the person next to them because they weren't even wondering if they were likable. The person that was staring at them was wondering, am I likable? Mm -hmm. Because it's never been another thing that anybody's ever talked about. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you look at my whole career, I never knew anybody else to be but Mandy Renahan. And when I would walk into a room with that work ethic and that ambition and that willingness to listen, and learn and be accountable. And the fact that, you know what, I can rhyme off more stories and more jokes and more, you know, you name it. I was likable even to the, you know, to the, to the white male who predominantly back then and still today is, is who's running the, the, the trade industry. Right. And so they never go ahead. No, I was just going to say, where's the boundary? Because we've got so many women on our show who care too much if they're likable, right? And put oh. all of their weight and their value is into whether they're liked or not. So where's that boundary in terms of being likable and, and caring too much if you are likable? Well, I think that there's two sides here. When I say I was likable, you know, the reality was is that I was in a male-dominated world and I had to be relatable. But I didn't try to be. It just happened for me. And I think that what's happening is, is it goes back to our original conversation of most women are completely likable when they're just them. Mm, I like that. What's happening is, is that they are told that they need to be someone else. And because of that, they're complicating themselves, Mm -hmm. which in turn makes other people uncomfortable. The whole situation ends up being awkward. And then everybody walks away going, what the hell happened here? Yep. Like how many people, gals, have we sat in a room with, with, you know, with your, your new shoes you just bought online and that, that corporate suit. And then the next thing, you know, we're out at a restaurant and a pub and you don't even know who the same person was that you just was talking to in that meeting that day. They're two totally different people. And that has always been my message is that no matter whether you're out with a beer for me or you're sitting in a corporate room with me, or I'm actually just standing in line with you at the grocery store. 
I never, ever change because it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting and it actually has taken away from our ability to see more progress because we don't know who we're dealing with half the time. How does that go over in a business sense? Like when you walk into a room and you're just you, you must have had situations where people were, you know, maybe taken aback. (laughs) You know, you know, here's the thing. I can tell you from the depths of my soul that there's no doubt about it, that there has been people that have paused, maybe even for upwards of 30 seconds. But after that 30 seconds, after they saw me being me, it was like I gave them permission to be them. And instantly we got down to the best kind of business you can imagine because there were no heirs. And instantly there was a trust because I was going to tell them whether I could do it or I couldn't. And that's also been part of my success is that I care too much about my brand and who, who I am is that I would rather do $2 million a year in business instead of 200. Mm -hmm. If it means that my customer is going to be taken care of. And I think that that's one of the things that women do have is that women have the ability to know when to put the brakes on women have the ability, but we live in such a, uh, you know, a world of instant gratification. And a lot of times it's financial that people are confused at what way they need to go instead of naturally and organically just really following. And I always say this, guys, I don't follow my gut. I follow my bowels. My bowels tell me (laughs) everything I need to know about a situation because whatever, if they don't move, I'm good. If they do move, I'm like, okay, there's something that I need to to dig dig into deeply here. (laughs) Anxiety bowels. We've termed uh, a new term here. I love it. Uh, Mandy, talk to us about your new HGTV show trading up. You know what? Wow. What a ride. Interestingly enough, I, many times people have said, for the love of God, Mandy, why are you not on TV? And, you know, the thing of it was, is that for me, it had to feel right and it had to be right. And yeah, because TV can be really inauthentic and that's not you. Exactly. You know, I don't fit in a formula and you can't try to put me in a box. And so, you know, I will say to you that, you know, I, I'm so happy, you know, with the deal that I made with HGTV and the Scott brothers, because they saw me for who I was and they knew that we would have to do, you know, a a docu follow of sorts of a show, not only that highlighted who I was, but highlighted my beliefs and highlighted what I believed in, in showing that. You know, when you look at these beautiful reveals and I mean, you know, that's what people watch HGTV for, you know, they want to get ideas and see what beautiful looks like behind those reveals is the trade industry. It's not just the person that's the head of the show. It's not just the, you know, the engineer or the architect or the designer, you know, it's, it's a partnership and it's the people behind the scenes, you know, in the trade industry that are really, truly the beauty behind the sexy. They're the ones putting it together, but nobody ever sees that. And that's something on Trading Up that we're highlighting while also, you know, training and and bringing apprentices into my world to see that being a good business person and being a a, a good contractor, wow, are there risks. (laughs) And wow, is there a lot of time and sweat and everything equity that goes into that. So 
the show really does bring to life. Did I tell you there's a little bit of personality on this show, everybody? Did I tell you that? <laughs> I'm shocked. Don't forget now. We were renovating, you know, historic homes in the middle of a right. pandemic and the biggest headwinds that we've ever seen in supply chains. Mm. And also on top of that, don't forget, it's the summertime in Nova Scotia. You try to find a tradesperson that's not right. busy a year out. Sounds fun. I can't, we yeah. can't wait to tune in. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? You know what? I would say that the best piece of advice that I ever received actually wasn't even verbalized to me. It was shown to me by uh, a wonderful woman that was my COO of my company for 17 years until the pandemic hit. And she every day was the black to my white. She brought me and my world to gray. Every chance she got, she always showed me that getting upset absolutely helps nothing. And she's made me a calmer leader today. You know, coming from how I grew up, it was very much I was shown that reacting was the way to go. And so, yeah, that nonverbal advice from her has made me into who I am today. And for that, like I said, I, I can't tell you that if there's anybody out listening and watching, uh, reactions only hurt you and the people around you. There's nothing, there's nothing in it for your bottom line. So that that's the best piece of advice, everybody. Mandy, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you. It has just been fun and joyful and informative and it's it's really wonderful to have had the opportunity to speak with you, uh, especially as you as you get ready to launch this exciting new project. We're really we're really grateful to you for your time today and for your honesty. <laughs> well, don't forget this. There's even an honesty part of me coming out in print in April. So the blue collar CEO has a book coming out, and that was also really fun doing. Fantastic. So I just want to let you, yes. So, so my life. In script and probably audio will be coming out too. (laughs) It's been two years of resilience. And all I can tell you is, is that every female out there has shown, you know, the skill set behind what a woman is and what a woman can be. And, and, and I will say that my company just happens to be 80% females right now. And it wasn't planned that way. It's just happened that way. And so fresh go, not the damn grocery store is coming out and, and you know what, look out everybody, you know what, if you're talented and you want to see a movement come around, we're coming for you. We can't wait. We are going to be watching and reading. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And holding on to our seats. (laughs) You know what? Hold on to everything you can find. It's going to be a very, it's going to be a contact Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Listen, everybody, thank you for having me. And listen, Thanks, if, if nothing else, for God's sakes, go have some fun. <laughs> thank you, Mandy. Take care. That's a wrap. And thank you to our wonderful listeners across Canada and around the world for joining us. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can subscribe to The Honest Talk wherever you get your podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website, thehonesttalk.ca. Finally, a big thank you to our sponsor, RBC, which offers digital-first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking to help you realize your true potential. And that's what this podcast is all about. 
You can find more info at rbc.com slash business. But for now, stay healthy and stay safe. And we truly look forward to having you back soon for more of The Honest Talk.